3: The following podcast is a
1: member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. Mm. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Well, hello then, and welcome back. It's Series 2 of the The One Show Show, and we're back after our summer break. We had a couple of months off. The One Show itself didn't really stop. The World Cup had a go at knocking it off your screen, but it came creeping back, didn't it? The relentless, unstoppable... Thing, like the broadcasting equivalent of Japanese knotweed curling itself around your television. You simply can't get rid of it. And between 7 and 7.30 on a weekday evening on BBC One, it's there to make your life unbearable. So if you haven't heard this before, here's where a TV show that doesn't warrant any kind of discussion or analysis at all gets exactly that. And what a week... What a week for us to return to the fold, as The One Show bemused a seal with a flute, taunted a fat man with custard, and helped TV's Nick Knowles to find the Holy Grail. Welcome to The The One Show Show. I am John Holmes, and joining me on The The One Show Show sofa for Episode 1, Season 2, is The The One Show Show regular and all-round man? Mark Haynes, and making her debut, and we love it, by the way, when we get actual people who work in actual television to lead us behind the scenes of this stuff. She writes, she produces, she edits, she's worked on more television than I have, by quite some margin. It's Vicky Thomas, uh, and uh, this is a big deal for me, because I've always wanted to meet the producer of Donny Osmond's Easy Listening Christmas on Channel 5. Welcome uh, in the traditional thing of the walk-in.
3: A scant audience applause.
1: Yeah. To the guests, uh, Vicky, welcome along. Hello. Hello there. Donny Osmond's Christmas easy listening on Channel Five.
3: It was great fun. Yeah. No, uh, it completely ruined my Christmas because I started <laughs> working on it in the autumn and I was sick of Christmas by the time it was actual Christmas.
2: What was Donny like?
3: I didn't meet him. They didn't let me go and film him. I mean, I was that's quite unbelievable, disgusted. isn't it?
1: The producer, someone who <laughs> worked on that, you're not allowed to meet Donny.
2: There is a funny thing about talent. Talent is only allowed to meet three people on any production yeah. and not the people who do the proper work no. I call it the David Walliams syndrome <laughs> don't let me start it on him again uh, right so uh,
1: we are here of course to discuss the one show now so we've been off for the summer um, and a lot of people have been getting in touch and thank you The regular listeners saying saying, well the one show came back just after the World Cup stopped why didn't you and the answer is because we couldn't stomach it <laughs> So well, you, you have to have a big gap
2: between watching episodes of the one show we had the summer off there was a sickening feeling as we built up to coming back <laughs> well, where we realised we're going to have to start watching the one show again it was like the same
1: as i imagine children right now are feeling having going back to school this week just i've had these weeks off and it's been brilliant but now i've got we've all had
2: a lot of fun but now it's time to knuckle down and and watch a man talk about how expensive a rural cinema is (laughs) well where to start i mean vicky let's let's start with you Uh, and this is always a good
1: question for the guests were you a, a viewer of The One Show <laughs> uh, before you had to watch it for this homework? or?
3: Well, I'm never at home when The One Show is on, mm. so uh, it, was quite, it was quite a shock to the system to actually sit and watch it. It's very much a show that is made for people who aren't working.
1: Yeah. And also, it, I don't know the figures, and we should look into this, but the download, i.e. watch it on iPlayer figures for the one show, can't be
2: high. No. They never have it on the on the main page. And I think even if you click on BBC One, it doesn't come up naturally on that first page. You do have to search for it. Yeah. And I think what that talks of is it talks of a, a show that people don't really want to watch. <laughs> Well, as
1: we've said often, this podcast is probably unique in the the world of, of analytical TV and broadcast slash film podcasts. You know, people... Come to this without any knowledge of watching the
2: actual thing. Yeah. The thing I'm worried is this is a gateway drug, and that, <laughs> that people will say, "Do you know what? It actually sounds all right." And then before you know it, they're watching one, two episodes of the yeah. one show, and their life is ruined.
1: So when you came to this week, what uh, what grabbed you first?
3: I think it was the trip to the abandoned Camelot theme park, oh, um, is, is and yeah. the the best moment possibly of everything I watched this week was the man wistfully looking at some ruins. <laughs> And talking about the time he juggled some horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: this right. Is great. This is Michael uh, Douglas. Yeah. Not that one. No. Uh, the celebrity hairdresser, who looks a bit like Tim Minchin at the moment. He's had a slight change of, of, of appearance, which I don't trust in people over 10. <laughs> if you change your hair and then you change your facial hair and things yeah, uh, later, I think something's going this seriously is, wrong.
1: Well, it is, because the, the, exactly the same thing happened with Richard Hammond after the car crash. It did. Didn't it? It, it did. Was on, it was on Top Gear looking sort of normal yeah. like a little child but then he, he came back with all bangles and yeah. necklaces and new sort of haircut Like he, he had yeah. been to
2: to death's door yeah, and I mean. it had changed him and, and, he, and when he'd he came come
3: back... back with some beads
2: <laughs> <laughs> Michael Douglas goes to there this, this abandoned theme park in Lancashire uh, which was called Camelot yeah. and the person who he met was formerly the jester at Camelot along with comedian Steve Royal he performed for 12 years as jester Mad Edgar so what did you used to do here? I used to come out here about 15,
1: 20 minutes before the jousting tournament and get everyone clapping and cheering. And they used to do actual jousting here then, This with real horses and all that kind of stuff. There was one particular horse we had here mm-hmm. that had a, a special trick of its, of its own. This one horse used to step forward for the final fight and he'd always do his little bit of business, his daily business, <laughs> really? let's just say, at that <laughs> exact moment. Story he was that regular, <laughs> there was that horse. But then the king used to go, Jester, clear that up. Uh, and okay. I used to just look and go, Pick it up and then juggle with horse manure. Did you? Yeah.
2: Worth saying, Camelot is one of those regional theme parks that I've never heard of.
1: Yeah, there's one in Matlock called mm. Abraham's Heights or something like that. And it's like, who's Abraham and what have these heights got to do with something <laughs> there's biblical? A, there's a Jewish man in Derbyshire.
2: <laughs> That's a first.
1: <laughs> and it's like, yeah, these these sort of small regional theme parks. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think they're dotted around. Yeah. But they're all based on something like, there's oh there's a lot of farming
2: worlds, yes. which are sort oh, of yeah.
1: themed around farming. If That's you go down Devon, enough.
2: there's loads, yeah, of loads of them. Yeah, loads of those. Which of are, things. oh, there's a digger and no that's actually one of the diggerland rides. is a thing as well that's <laughs> in it? kent
1: there's a place called diggerland which is just some diggers
2: <laughs> does the theme park also run a large recycling center <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound to me much like i, the I theme think park. They,
3: they just basically get small children to do lots yeah. of uh Work. picking up rubble yeah <laughs> child labor these
2: cows need killing let's charge <laughs> these children two pounds each welcome to abattoir land <laughs> <laughs> in. The Camelot thing,
1: like, mm. here's why it annoyed me, because they sort of threw it away while teasing towards it later. So that mm. television thing of going, coming up later, is this? Now, we we, we obviously need to mention that, that Nick Knowles, right, the...
2: What is he? I mean, what is,
3: what is Nick uh, Knowles? gravel-voiced... Uh, leather man. Leather, a sort of
2: big, like a weird
3: leather
1: creature. You know, like the, uh, here's how I think of him. You know the trench coat that <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Columbine killers wore to hide
2: their guns? Yeah, or, yeah, or like the apron worn by Leatherface in, in the, the Texas, Texas Chainsaw Mask. Plastic. Yeah, he's yeah.
1: that made flesh, isn't
2: he? <laughs> that is Nick yeah, Knowles. Absolutely. And he's on the couch to
1: talk about Grenfell
2: right (sighs) so this was Wednesday's episode. Uh, they right. I, I, Look, I don't think that this show is massively influencing the direction <laughs> the one show is going in. But they basically, on Wednesday show, gave us a show it's difficult for us to talk about yeah. without looking like monsters. That's right. Because they had Nick Knowles. Oh, easy target, but he's doing DIY SOS at Grenfell. Ah, uh, that's made it harder. Yeah. Then they did a big item about new prosthetic limbs for a 10-year-old boy. That's right.
3: What are we going to do there? Yeah. I can't I'm- touch it. I wasn't yeah. sure if I was allowed to mention that the, the other chap who had the other prosthetic, it mm. was like Canangas from uh, Live and Let Die. <laughs> it was brilliant.
1: Yes, it was. That's, I was watching that thing and this reminds me of something. Of course, that's exactly what it was. Oh, <laughs> well, good. I said
2: we couldn't talk about that looking like monsters. And <laughs> Look at that. we to, talk right, about monsters. to be right. monsters. That man with one arm, he was like a James Bond villain. <laughs>
3: but, you know, and the kid was like some sort of a amazing superhero the kid. The kid was. The, I, kid, it, the, the technology was very cool. was
2: the best actual performer. On the whole of the one show I saw this week, he was really, really good at talking. Charming young man. Good luck to him.
1: Yeah. Well, you know,
2: <laughs> Without the way he was, now let's. Start I the was kicking.
1: looking at the little child, thinking that's a future TV presenter right there. He yeah. was confident. Yeah. He, he didn't mind the camera. He yeah. was natural. He had, he had a he sort of good sense, sense of He was the best presenter view. on that program. He was, by a long, a long, long way, <laughs> and he's like nine or ten with a, with his arm, and that's going to tick a box now. So that's good. <laughs> uh, the, the, I want to mention because the handbrake, we'll get to this early, mm. uh, regular listeners know we do this handbrake turn of the week when they go from one subject to the other. Now it was this week's which leads us into the Camelot thing was contained within, it wasn't going from one subject to the other well, it's, it was, but with the same guest. So Nick Knowles was talking about Grenfell. And it was quite a, you know, what's the work that you've been doing around the Grenfell site? you have been building this. We've been doing that. People have paid for that. It's beautiful. Communities come together. It's a beautiful thing in the shadow of this awful tragedy. Uh, and then they said, great. And then Nick Knowles' DIY Grenfell programme, is going to be on, you know, BBC One later on or something. And then And then they went, but Nick's also here to tell us Uh, How he thinks... He thinks, there's the key words. He thinks he's found the lost medieval court of Camelot. And I was like, wait, wait, what? And then they didn't do it then. They cut to something else and made us wait for that. And I'm like, what?
0: Um, And Nick is also going to be telling us about how he thinks he's found... The legendary medieval lost court of Camelot. Now this
2: will be more confusing. <laughs> this is the about. thing, isn't this a real thing. I can't believe this is a real thing. A real thing. A real thing. A real
3: thing. But real anyway,
2: thing. in a moment <laughs> we're gonna meet Alex Patterson. Uh, one of the first people here in the UK to be able to control his prosthetic by using his brain.
1: Nick Knowles has discovered the legendary fictional medieval <laughs> wouldn't it have been good in the 12th if century. If they'd have
2: come back after the video about the Camelot theme park, which yeah. opened in 1983 yeah. and closed in 2012, and Mick Knowles yeah. had gone, fucking hell. I've, I've made a really bad error here. <laughs> <laughs> I've discovered the real theme park Camelot on an old map I had of Lancashire. Yeah. I thought the Camelot thing was great. They they did a, a drone going over the top of this. This it shut down in 2012. Yeah, for I, I mean they say on the show it was the competition because of the 2012 London Olympics which sort of wound this thing up. No, I think it's more that it looked pretty shonky. Yeah, and uh, Michael Douglas goes there. Not, and, that not that no, one. Not And that he one. sits down and he has a midlife crisis in a crumbling castle where he starts talking about his lament for lost youth. I last walked through these gates,
1: crikey, when I was about 12 or 13, me and me mates from school, eating a hot dog. I mean, I can remember this castle. Look at it now. It's funny, really. It's very nostalgic, but it's like a double-edged sword. Like, one side it's happy memories and the other side is this
2: feeling of mourning you know for a time you'll never get back and this castle is a great metaphor for that (laughs) <laughs> absolutely brilliant! Everything I wanted. They then had a drone fly over, and it looked like the footage you see of Chernobyl when they go but through all it, the I, Yeah, area. I,
3: uh, I've written that. I wrote that down when I was watching. It. I was going. Uh, first point: juggling with horse shit. Second point: looks like Pripyat. Third point: creepy music and screaming over the roller coaster. <laughs> yes, sequence. <laughs> they, they had
1: this drone following the route of this old roller coaster, but with this ghostly echo of screaming. Yes, absolutely. It was exactly. really sinister, wasn't but, it?
2: Is there another reason why this place shut down? Because, as you say, you met a jester who said, "I used to juggle with horse shit." Well, right, shut this place down. <laughs> this is not going to go. It's the most British theme park ever. What can you see? An out-of-work actor hurling shit about. That's, forget your Mickey Mouse and your Magic Kingdom. We got a man throwing horse excrement around with his hands. <laughs>
1: Then it came back, didn't it, where they said... And I was disappointed because I'd been looking forward to Nick mm. Nick's Camelot revelation. You know, for the rest of the whole show, it was almost in a blur. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. Get, you, you teased that Nick Knowles had... Forget Grenfell. He's found Camelot. What's this going to be? This is going to be amazing. And then it, it said, it's a disused Arthurian theme park in Angus. I'd
3: like to know what came first. If, if they did the thing about Camelot and, and Nick just sort of turned around and said... Oh, yeah, yeah, I know where Camelot, the real Camelot yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if he'd said that and then they decided to send somebody to Camelot what, to bolt the show is, out. Is, I don't We've we
2: talked to Jay yeah. Rayner about the order of these we things. We know how
1: this works. You see, they, they shoot so many films that then languish about in the office and they wait they wait until there's the opportunity to put them on. A lot of them just fall off the edge because n- yeah. they don't bother, because no one gets... But
2: they must have gone, we've got something on this, and rooting through... It's a real shame they didn't have a video about bullshit, because they could have played that <laughs> one as well. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick Knowles does reckon he knows where the genuine Camelot yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which well, I, he, suppose he didn't the, yeah, I suppose
1: the horse shit metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't> that- <laughs> I'm juggling horse shit. Well, that's Nick Knowles and his that's theory. A, <laughs>
2: that's such a good thing that by chance, that the video is about Camelot. But when they typed it into the database, to get a video up, the first word they use is horse shit, yeah. and it happens to be one about Camelot as well. Oh, lucky break! And that was the thing, and then, then, it, but they threw it away. So we, yeah. we're waiting for this Camelot
1: revelation from Knowles. I'm disappointed when it's an Arthurian theme park and not him discovering Camelot. And then they said they come off the back of that film, mm. saying, "Well, Nick, you've discovered Camelot, haven't you? The actual Camelot." And they said, "You've got thirty seconds at the end of the room
2: to tell us what about <laughs> that. the way he, the way he then told it." A bit sort of narky, like yeah, fucking found Camelot, yeah, yeah. Maybe I have here. It is here is is the thing you probably don't care. You know, he was really like, if you found Camelot, mate, big it up.
3: Now, apparently, Nick, you're going to tell us where Camelot is and why you think it's there.
2: OK, so me and, me and a professor <laughs> in uh, Bristol University uh, reckon that, uh, that, uh, that Camelot was sire ancestor. and we reckon we can prove it because the old amphitheatre would have been fortified and a circular amphitheatre, so the story about our uh, King Arthur having a table which 5,000 knights could sit without anyone having precedence was a circular amphitheatre where they could all sit round without anybody even in charge, and that's where the story of this round table comes from. So the old old amphitheatre in Sirencester was actually yeah. Camelot. Nick, there's a documentary yeah. in there. When you've there's got a documentary more in that. come back. I, we can prove it, we can prove it.
3: Um, thank you so much to Nick and Gabby. He was so he was so defensive, though, because uh, Alex and that were just went, oh, have you really? And they were yeah. sort of laughing a bit, and he, and he was like, yeah, I did.
2: At <laughs> <laughs> the end, uh, Matt just says, uh, oh, there's a documentary in this, Nick. Yeah, documentary in this. And the second time, he had that thing of going, I'll lock eye contact and I'll say it again so he knows I'm really meaning this. I'm, I'm going to tell Nick Knowles about television. Yeah. Do you not think that Nick Knowles has been trying to sell this documentary about Camelot for probably nine <laughs> years? <laughs> you know? And the problem is, someone's had a cursory glance here and gone, ah, it doesn't really stand up. Yeah.
1: And not, not least for the fact that it's an invented uh, concept. <laughs> it, like, was it Geoffrey of Monmouth or something in the 12th yeah, century? Some sort of Welsh folklore. The basic
2: thing is, there's a filled in giant amphitheatre in Sirencester, yeah. which is obviously that's what they mean when they say the round table. Yeah. Um, and that's where they. They met and everything. Well, I, I don't think it's that easy. Also, there's a big clue here because the
1: word amphitheatre... Even, even in my basic Latin, does not mean table. No, well, <laughs> well
2: they would have used the word amphitheatre, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't they? Yeah, King Arthur's yeah, amphitheatre. Yeah, not round table.
3: <laughs> no, round table sounds better, though, doesn't it?
1: Can I just stop us at this point uh, and remind ourselves of Nick Knowles and his music? Oh, no. Because this <laughs> cropped up, didn't it? Because in the same episode of the one show, a, a, a film that they'd obviously had sitting on the shelf was, was shot in, in, on the Hebridean island of Isla. Where a woman was playing a flute and a violin at some seals, which would come out of the water to listen to her seal symphony.
2: Yeah.
3: Which is the I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I haven't just taken a load of acid. <laughs> well, you, you
2: that's really, how the you show really explained that like it wasn't a load of nonsense. <laughs> Let's I that. know that's what we saw, John, but I, I don't think it was as straightforward as that. The, the seals did what they normally do, which is come out to the boat. There happened to be a woman on the boat playing a flute. The
1: she he told us <laughs> she that did. they were loving
3: her music. So it sort of turned more into, well, I know where the seals are. I think I'll go and play to them. I'll just go and play. And having also brought my flute along, this might just be the world's very first violin and flute duet to seals but what to play. And right on cue, the seals arrive. in, it's just, it's magical. I feel the, the music has brought them in. We've got five just coming in down this channel. Maybe we had two sitting here listening to us. It's just,
0: oh, it's
1: just lovely. And so then what they did was, to link it back to Nick Knowles, they they said, and then uh, we played a bit of your music to the seals. <laughs>
2: and even and Nick Knowles, even, even Nick Knowles <laughs> rolled his eyes. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: but he rolled him in that way of going... Are you going to play my music on BBC oh, One? How embarrassing. Oh, oh no, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh. And, I, and I thought and maybe this will lead to the explanation as to why sea creatures often strand themselves. <laughs> <laughs> a beach on on sand <laughs> Nick Knowles would be bad at them but they played a bit of Nick Knowles covering Here Comes the Sun
2: I never realised how great the Beatles were until I heard <laughs> Nick Knowles have a go at Here Comes the Sun but they didn't show
1: it playing to the Seals they just showed some stills of generic stock pictures of Seals yep. with speech bubbles going it's better than that flute it wasn't oh. better than the flute it's, that's quite something
2: isn't it <laughs> yeah round of applause <laughs> <laughs> well, well it didn't stop it there is. though, did it? No, it didn't because, stop there. I
0: mean they liked seal, but then we thought, well, I know, we'll try it with Nick's music
2: oh, to see didn't. what they
0: <laughs> make of that. Of course we did.
2: Well, have we got this enough? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, one of the better reactions <laughs> I've had. <laughs> <laughs> It's a whole new
3: video for you. Look at that. That's going to go viral. Thank you. Thank you
2: and Matt said after that again that's,
3: that's going to go viral He did. That, that, that's, uh, that's going to go viral
2: someone's had a meeting with the new producer who's talking <laughs> about the new goals of the show but yeah, he got it wrong of course it's, it's going to go viral what he yeah. meant is that music is worse than a virus <laughs> <laughs> than any virus you can think of I can't
3: of. see it being competition for carpool karaoke really <laughs> it's not, it's not. though I did like the, uh, the shot of a seal that they pulled out that it looked like it was covering its ears
2: <laughs> that was the best one running to Towards the men with clubs. I, mean,
3: I was still trying to recover from the presenter going. Oh, and of course, I brought my flute along. What?
1: <laughs> so I've got Nick Knowles' song "An Eye for an Eye." I don't oh know if you're familiar. Oh God! From the- <laughs> yeah.
3: It sounds like he's uh, he's trying to pass a particularly difficult stool <laughs> while is, doing
1: yeah. it. And also all the instruments out of him. It's. It, I've played this on the radio and I've talked about it before. But uh-huh. I've any excuse, frankly, to play Nick Knowles. And if you're not familiar with it, right, the video is on YouTube.
3: Yes. Isn't it? And it yes, is something it. to behold, isn't it? It's yes, and then try and bleach your mind yeah. afterwards. with But it's the, it's the earnest
1: lyric. Now, it's, this is Nick Knowles essentially uh, acknowledging, like we all do, that there are problems in the world. There are there are wars. There's just evil in the world, isn't there? And, mm. and Nick Knowles is, is more or less Jesus in this <laughs> scenario and, and has come to save us all with his song, An Eye for an Eye. So I'm just going to play a little bit of it to you.
2: A new form of singing. <laughs> I don't mean to alarm you, John, but there's a hundred seals at the door. <laughs>
0: of something, but what are you scared of? Join me, Sarah Morgan, for The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. The secret lemonade drinker adverts. Geese. That time on Biker Grove, an agnoparling got shot in the face of a paintball. In each episode, I interview funny, interesting people I like. People like Phil Jupitus, Alice Lowe, Richard Osman, Riley Silverman, and Danielle Ward about their biggest fears in a judgment-free environment. It is spooktacular. The Fear. And remember, do have nightmares because they're an entirely appropriate response to the horrors of modern living. Great big owl.
2: Rule of Three, a podcast presented by me, Joel Morris, and me, Jason Hazley, in which we talk to people who make comedy about the films, and TV, and books, and records, and comics, and people that make them laugh.
0: She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, (laughs) even though she can. And that's true of... I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends.
2: I never really understood what Hans Soler did for a job.
3: (laughs) You don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing (laughs) while being punched in the balls.
2: They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Write your own jokes in the morning, you lazy (laughs) bastard. Follow us on Twitter. At Rule of Three Pod Rule of Three Available now from
1: all good Oh, oh, It's yeah. a pity And on it, and on it goes It's I a mean, pity it's, uh, the
2: whole world isn't made deaf <laughs> <laughs> I... I I got quite obsessed with this thing of sort of daytime TV presenters releasing albums because Alexander Armstrong did one, I think, for Christmas, and Mm. that got heavily advertised. I think it was a big seller. I mean, in the old days, they used to do something a bit novelty, TV presenters, Sing Lofty by Don Estelle and Windsor Davis. It would be a bit of a tie-in. But then when they go... One for our younger listeners there. (laughs) Jason Manford released an album as well yeah, yeah. you're
3: shitting me no
2: absolutely true i've yeah. never heard it and all i think about every day is what it what it will sound like
1: um i interviewed jason manford on the radio when this came out but he was on a pr trail doing it and, and someone said do you want jason manford to come in and talk about his new album i was like i absolutely do yes <laughs> what yes, is it like yes i do uh, it's well it's it's like a sort of big bandy show tuney uh-huh. sort of you know croony it's i mean it's not a pop album it's not you know uh-huh. it's, it's for your gran isn't it, it that's the, well, you know, yeah. it's that sort Your of Daniel thing. Daniel O'Donnell sort yeah, of... Yeah, it's that kind of thing. And I think it did all right. And, yeah. and he was very proud of it. Why wouldn't he be? And I I, did, I think I admitted to him that it wasn't for me. <laughs> and that
2: was fine. <laughs> it is a funny thing. And Nick Knowles, you see, the, the funny thing about it is, we all sort of think it's a bit of a joke and everything, but he takes it very seriously. That makes it hilarious. Yeah. But they do... It obviously does all right. Because he, yeah. does, he doesn't joke about it. So it obviously shifts some
1: units. Well, it's just nice that it ended up being played to some seals in the Hebrides <laughs> by the production staff of the One Show. The real that's reason. where it ended The real
2: up. reason I made this was that one day it would be played to seals, <laughs> to photographs <some> of seals. And <laughs> I'm not
1: even sure they did. They just faked it.
2: Because <laughs> otherwise that would be animal cruelty. Nick, Nick Noles is, he never comes across as the warmest chap, does he? No.
3: No, you, there's, there's just something about, he looks like he's maybe about two minutes off taking you around the back of the car park for a fight absolutely Uh, it's it's a bit frightening I'm quite scared of him I call
2: that James Martin syndrome I think James Martin (laughs) James Martin is only one wrong glance from just biting onto your nose
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, there was a bit when Knowles uh, and I, I I don't often speak out loud at the telly uh-huh. but sometimes you, d- you just sort of have to and it's sort of like a Tourette's thing it just sort of bubbled out and the, the bit you were talking about Vicky with the the, the, the nine year old with his bionic arm which mm. was incredible you know and then and then this other guy can, Kananga can from the Bond film had his mind controlled uh, prosthetic arm that they 3D printed and it was a you know like I said it was a moving piece but then Knowles during the interview with the older guy with the bionic arm tried to high five the little kid with the arm, the other arm, and, and this kid didn't quite know what Knowles was wanted. But but Knowles was like sort of owning the interview was going on with this other guy, but Knowles is yeah. sort of like, oh, I'm gonna just high five high five the kid. Then the kid demonstrated how it could twist around and so did the other guy. And then Knowles just went, My wrist can't do that and, and I just generally on my own <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do I need to finish that?
2: You know, if if I then think wrist left which will go all the way down or wrist right. There you go. And on this one, which my wrist can't do, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so this, well, this one's is, actually. Yeah, well, well,
3: oh, 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 I was sort of hoping that the uh, the kid with the arm that came out of the printer, which is possibly the coolest thing I've ever seen, mm. had some sort of superpower whereby he could sort of t- send out taser like things just, Well yeah. they were talking they
1: were talking about how these they, these arms were mind controlled which this you know this guy yeah, was explaining your, um, yeah, your, your nerve, nerve system absolutely incredible and i was thinking but if this guy if, if that was me and i was sitting on that sofa next to Nick Knowles and i had a nerve controlled brain controlled arm and you can't control your own thoughts can you <laughs> I mean my arm my arm would have gone for Knowsey's throat. <laughs> like emu, like a robot emu <laughs> And torn it out like in the Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. Just chucked his esophagus on the floor. Now's your handbrake turn, Alex
2: <laughs> I tell you someone I did see appear on the one show this week who I haven't seen for a while and I do feel warm towards Andy Kershaw did a
1: piece oh did he okay yeah and i I had a
2: quick check and andy kershaw uh he was a massive radio one dj back in the day of course he had a decade ago he was having a lot of problems he was drinking too much and he spent a few few spells in prison he apparently his autobiography is he talks about how he had a um brief relationship with a pre-countdown carol vorderman which (laughs) is well worth reading about i'm sure Uh, but he did a little a little piece about the death of the corner shop and it, it wasn't much of a piece. And I just... I was so pleased to see Andy Kershaw back. I was... i This is a genuine moment of... I just... I was just pleased. I like him. He was likeable on it. I'd like to see more of him.
1: More Andy Kershaw. More uh, Andy yeah. Kershaw. If anybody from the One Show production team listens to this... They all listen to I this. I know. Uh, then, then more Andy Kershaw We say, You know, he's, he's done his time. Uh, literally He's done his time. No, he <laughs> has. Speaking he has. of inconsequential things that don't really mean much on, mm. on the One Show... Can we just talk about Filey? (laughs) Did you see the film... On f- the pointless, it seemed to me, film on Filey.
3: I really struggled to get past the bumper car pun with uh, yes, the... the, the, the uh, and I, th- I think I spent the rest of the item sort of groaning and trying not to think about that too much. Cause what did he say? What was the
1: bumper car line he said? That it was, it he was, was in
3: front of some bumper cars and he was right. talking about how there were bumper numbers of visitors this year that's and uh, <laughs> and I just I mean, died in slide- th- inside This whole
2: it. piece was like having a job in a tourist board. This is not my job. Don't tell me this (laughs) stuff about the people staying at home. Uh, rather yeah. than going abroad. Yeah, because of the lovely summer we've had the, and all uh, that the kind of
3: stuff. The staycation.
2: The staycation. A right. word I don't think anyone's ever used in filing.
3: No, I, I think my favourite bit out of that, though, was the uh, the couple sitting on the beach in their jumpers with what looked like a pizza box, being very resolute in the fact that, yeah, this is so much better than going abroad. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I was just thinking, are this you is, sure?
1: This was Matt Allwright, wasn't it? They said, yeah. Matt Allwright, regular presenter to Filing. And you're absolutely right, Vicky. He said, why have you done this? I said, well, it is cheaper, but, you know, look at the advantages. And they said, it's. it's it's you know we've come here but we can just go home <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, all right. Well, um, the, one of the questions he asked to a person who worked in Firely, who worked at a small zoo, uh, and Matt Allwright said to him, so, you know, are you thinking of building a bigger car park? And the guy went, yeah, you know, we've got planning permission. What? Well, how? Why am I watching? What? I don't I don't care about small businesses and their car park regulations.
3: They did double down on the car park thing, because immediately after that, they did their little map of places that were popular, and there was the ferry pool up in Scotland, yeah. and they had a nice little animated ferry, because fairies, eh? Yeah. See what they did there? Yeah. They went, it's only got 35 parking spaces <laughs> I was just thinking oh, do I need and, to know this is, yeah, 36
2: people have come and they were talking about how they were going to redo the car park weren't yeah. they yeah.
3: this is like being a
2: member of a local council but you can't join in the chat really this, this also was the worst episode of the one shot I saw all week Tuesday Matt and Angelica Bell
3: did like Angelica's outfit I know that's a very girly thing to say but she was wearing a, a very nice uh, polka dot Ensemble with a red stripe down the side of it. It was, you know? uh, it was quite nice. Mm. Yeah, I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, no, don't, no, please, that's no, fine. <laughs> they,
2: uh, they had two uh, actors on from Hobby City talking about a new Hobby City episode, which was one of their characters having very, very bad clinical depression. Yeah. And what show would you like to watch less? The the One Show presenters doing an interview with two actors from Holby talking about clinical depression. I think that's going to be pretty high on the list. You know, the smorgasbord
1: of The One Show where it's like, well, we'll do Grenfell, we'll do depression. But then now we'll go to Filey. And in that Filey bit as well, I, mm. I must mention it because I, um, Matt, all right, they went, just went to a hotel obviously in Italy and there was a bit where Matt was trying to talk to the receptionist of the hotel or the owner actually I think she was the owner of the hotel and he said even as we even as we speak the bookings are coming in <laughs> and you go, yeah Matt that's how hotels work <laughs> and they had Matt on the sofa afterwards to follow up it was as if the Filey thing we hadn't got enough information uh, about car parks and, and he just went Filey it's got the lot
3: <laughs> uh, he said he was saying about how classy it was as well yeah. and, and uh, they were really trying to sell Filey
1: yeah it makes but... you wonder what's going on behind the scenes with Filey I mean mm. there are a lot of places they could have many places in Britain uh, had the joy of a, a hot summer
2: where there could be a director are, who four years ago bought a flat in Filey he's now <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah. shift it on the market exactly do you know what, what, what we did. should do we should do something about how Filey's got it all Yeah. I mean, Gary you were saying
1: you hated it <laughs> <laughs> they did a piece as well they mentioned a, a chip shop um, they did on yeah. the was it on the uh, the A64 between yeah. Cambridge and York uh, between Cambridge and York that's is quite a, long, a long way a long stretch <laughs> yeah. I think there's probably nearer towns they could have mentioned there and this was the, the big revelation it gets 100 Chinese visitors and every week
2: for a fish and chip experience yeah
1: part of Britain's success story right
2: there (laughs) people all the doomsayers who said Brexit would ruin us listen a hundred Chinese tourists a week in a chip shop somewhere between Cambridge and York how'd you like that Panasonic might be leaving these shores but how'd you like that there there was actually a little bit of pro-Remain stuff on this episode of The One Show is where a retired neurosurgeon, he'd returned to the hospital he used to work at. He said, I've returned with The One Show to give a life lecture to medical students. And again, it's just a consultant neurosurgeon retired Taking you through what his life was like. I love these bits, but they always seem weird. Why am I watching it? I mean, there
3: was, there was a really good bit where uh, they went, uh, he's, and he takes time to catch up with uh, with his trainees. And this woman comes on, greets him, says hello, and that's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he paid tribute to a lot of the uh, non medical staff working in the NHS. And he just sort of said, everyone's from overseas. Uh, a lot of them are Filipino. He said, you know, they are, I cannot praise them highly enough. They are the backbone of the NHS. I thought, I'll oh, write on good i bet there were loads of meetings about whether or not that that, should, that line should be cut and i like that the rest of it uh, if i'm being fair i mean he was not a man happy with retirement and <laughs> no, he made... no you
3: could just see him coming in and making a nuisance of himself every he day, really was him? he really
2: was and i also think you know it's a funny thing where you get doctors talking frankly and i suppose they forget when they're in a hospital that they're just talking to normal people and he was talking about how often operations would go wrong and he'd leave people disabled or he'd uh, kill them and he was saying, "But you know, you just have to get on with it." <laughs> and I really watched that thinking. Well, this has really terrified me. This has <laughs> absolutely ruined my night. The
3: the scariest bit was uh, the sequence where they showed uh, somebody having their brain fiddled with while they were still conscious. Oh. While it uh, would take five, I think, was the tune in the background. <laughs> <laughs> we should have played some Nick
1: Knowles behind that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're making this whole man blind. Just play with, with his brain.
3: Well, <laughs> they they prod him until he likes it it <laughs> just be fiddling with your brain and, until you go oh actually that's oh, quite good. Hello.
1: Did you learn anything this week? We often talk about things you you know you didn't know before but you it's uh, to take away from the one show it's it's it's
2: there it yeah. teaches us things. What did you learn Mark? I I well this week I learned and it came from the Camelot doco that they resell roller coasters. So they mentioned Camelot used to have six roller coasters and they said all but one have been sold to other theme parks. Yeah. And there's a part of me that went that sounds dangerous. I don't know why, but putting a roller coaster back together again. But then I thought, I wonder how much a roller coaster costs. I have no idea, but it must be quite a lot because I don't know anyone who's got one. <laughs> so, but I was thinking, that's a really weird we can thing. club together. I mean, that's. <laughs> I okay. quite like one. It's a really weird thing I'd never thought about before, which is the economics of roller coasters. And they obviously cost so much yeah. and are so difficult to make that you can buy one from 1983 to put in a modern place because otherwise it's really expensive. So I, I learnt a little bit about the economies of roller coaster management.
1: Well That's fair. I think roller coaster management is more or less the, the production of the one show as well, isn't it? The, <laughs> the ups and downs, the twists and the turns. Uh,
3: I, I the actually... thrills and
1: the deaths. <laughs>
3: <laughs> made me think about, and it would probably be quite a good one show article. Really, really? Um, the euthanasia roller coaster. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but a man did a concept design for a roller coaster that would kill you, uh, that would euthanise you, um, and you'd, you know, if you decided to end your life, you could book a trip on this roller coaster. And it was designed; he had a huge ascent, and then a drop, and then it would go in uh, concentric circles, which got smaller and smaller, so the g-force got bigger and uh you would, your brain would be starved of oxygen, and you'd be there'd just be a car full of corpses at the very end of it.
2: I this did. is what i believe <laughs> 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 working to a horse <laughs> I, I it's probably worth wow. saying that 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 has been bleaked out the listeners will have heard the bleep <laughs> it's important to remember you know you know what we're talking about, about but, but, but we're not saying it on look, here there's, there's because every... that place has lawyers <laughs> they have lawyers <laughs> uh, and let me tell you those lawyers have been working very hard in the last couple of years <laughs> another case is not going to face we them. don't want to be involved <laughs> yeah. just to say what did you learn did you learn anything I learned
1: that uh, now there was a, now we were pointed towards an episode uh, of the one show that was there wasn't in the last week it was on while we were off okay no. over the summer and we were I was pointed this on Twitter by one of our listeners uh, called Simon Farmstead Simon is his Twitter I think Simon Wade and he said you need to watch the episode with Denzel Washington okay okay he was on promoting the Equalizer 2 like a couple of weeks ago whatever. and he said because it and he said I think he described it as a roller coaster. I think he said it was something like it was a roller coaster episode right gotcha. and indeed it was because I always like it when a big A-list Hollywood star is exposed to the one show <laughs> ah, Bruce Willis that time well, that classic you know, Mel Brooks episode. the Mel Brooks episode they have to suck Washington into the into the world of the one show. You know, saying we've got this amazing Hollywood and he got the entrance, he got the walking from backstage applause entrance. Lovely. You know, it's Denzel Washington, Uh, this is going to be great and we're going to be talking to him about this and they showed a montage of his, you know, training day, got an Oscar for that, didn't he? This montage of Denzel Washington's work and everything else and they sort of said, well, he's he's with us throughout the show so stay with us for the whole show because lots of topics to cover. Uh, Starting with veganism and Denzel just went, oh, <laughs> as he cut to the film. And then they went, to there was a film that obviously Denzel had to watch in the studio. Uh, the residents of Rotherham, some of, the, some of these fat blokes from a pub in Rotherham who, uh, uh, the challenge of going vegan for a week, right? So, you know, you're watching it thinking, in my mind was Denzel's watching this. Yeah, <laughs> Denzel's watching this with me. And 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 these were, we were in a pub. they're eating pizza out of a box and necking pints of Fosters. It was called the Butcher's Arms and they were gonna Oof. they said, You've got to go vegan for a week and then so they you know, classic thing of going, So, you know, what are you gonna miss? And they bloke, oh, I love me eggs and then another like, well, <laughs> I love me custard <laughs> All right. <laughs> but the best bit before they went back to Denzel was it was a, a family. They had talked to a family about going vegan. Presented by a guy who was a vegetarian, but he was going to go vegan with them for a week. And he took as they do with these films all the time, they took he took a bag of vegan food round of the house, recipe stuff. Right. And he got out this tin of chickpeas. And the, the woman from the household just, just went, Oh I don't I don't I don't like chick I don't like chickpeas. I don't like chickpeas. <laughs> and her husband looks at her and he goes, You like hummus? <laughs> <laughs> and she just goes oh yeah <laughs> and I'm just going Denzel's watching this Denzel Washington I won an Oscar <laughs> <laughs> and of course it came back to Denzel you've tried veganism
2: haven't you? yeah used to yeah. say have you ever tried hummus? <laughs> <laughs> which is a funny thing to ask to people who are the top of their profession <laughs> have you ever tried hummus? <laughs> ah that, that, say that I once went into a deli near me yeah and the person in the deli when I got in was Liam Gallagher from the pop group Oasis and he was in a conversation with the lady who runs the deli and he turned to me as the man coming in and he just went hey hey mate he said what's that slightly pink spread that you get like on holiday and I went on holiday he went yeah fishy it's fishy it's pink I said what a salata?" and he turned back to the deli woman and he went everyone's heard of it (laughs) He, he didn't realise you could get taramasalata in England that was a big gap I suppose he doesn't go to the supermarket very often at least now we know what that row in the corridor with his girlfriend was about it <laughs> was on the front of all the papers yeah I've told you taramasalata is available in the UK oh but always ask famous people basic questions like have you ever tried hummus that's a really good way of getting, getting them down, down
1: to your level tried veganism while he was training for a film while he wanted to look good in a film and mm. he said he couldn't get on with it and he got rid of it and the thing i learned to bring it back to that was that this evolved in some sort of conversation anyway i've learned that nelson mandela
3: (laughs) did he did he really like tatsiki (laughs) and sylvester
1: stallone have been to denzel washington's house for a chicken dinner (laughs) (laughs) on the same night that's what i learned amazing yeah Oh, was he nice, Denzel? Yeah, he is. I've no, I've interviewed Denzel Washington mm. before as well. For he was promoting Name um, Dropper. Yeah. Um, well, he met Logan, no, Liam Gallagher in a deli. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I was talking to him, and he was talking about he did a film. He was a, an alcoholic airline pilot. Flight. Yeah, flight. And and there was a scene in that. I mean, you've seen it, but there's a scene in it where at the beginning, where he's a drunk pilot, and he wakes up in the morning, and he's he's uh, been banging an air hostess mm. or something, and so she gets out of bed fully naked in the film. Right, fair enough. And there's a there's a bit in it where. She bends over to put her pants on or something and he sort of, you know, does a sort of clocker look yeah. while what's going on. And I said to him something like, you know, is it hard to, you know, it's one of those ask, ask an actor how sex scenes are difficult to film kind of conversations. And he just sort of did an actory thing of saying, yeah, there's a crew and there's all this stuff, you know, Anyway, when, when we'd stopped recording uh, and we were just chatting, he said, I'll tell you about that scene. And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> hey. there we go. So he said, he said, it's really weird. He said, because, because my, I, I watched the film when the film came out. I saw it with my wife, right? And obviously she's watching me basically lick a naked lady. He said, it's always tricky watching that with your other half. And you sort of go, I'm just acting. And he said, but I'll tell you, John." He said, "It's only half acting.
3: <laughs>
1: and, and, and I said, but, and I said, but she's, you know, you're naked She's naked." And he said, "Yeah, but he said the the, the modesty pouch for women is it's, it's a tiny because you know you heard about the modesty pouch for men uh-huh. in film where they put like yeah. a sock over it, don't they? Yeah, yeah.
2: Sort of, a sort of flesh coloured jock strap. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's kind of how actors do it." He said, "But for women, and I didn't know this as well." He said, "It's the equivalent, but they just basically put a little bit of cloth over the hole." <laughs>
2: And he said, but John, you can see everything. <laughs> <laughs> but John, you can see everything. couple of horrible schoolboys, you can see everything. <laughs> and I'm
1: watching the one show going, he can see everything. Yeah. Can we oh. just let it all, bleep all of that
2: out? I mean, that's probably one. Everyone's going to think that story after I finish bleeping is, is about Billy Condor. <laughs> that's the way it's going to work. Um, there, was, there was one little bit I did see which, which annoyed me. And it was on Monday's show. Ori was on uh, as the host. Yes, And for some reason, when they have Ori Duba on, they often start the show with three bits where we go through local papers and then you'll do a bit of a, a line on them and they do a sort of bit of quite weak observational comedy and this week they'd sort of dropped the observational comedy but not the format so they had a little bit where Ori Duber and Alex were there and they, they sort of go so there's this, been this story in the papers this week about a woman who gave birth in the toilets of a McDonald's and
3: <laughs> they, they totally didn't bother with a punchline no about-
2: so Alex said I wonder what they'll call the little guy. And Ori Aduba went, so many options. And Alex went, too many options. Hello to everybody at home, and hello to Sarah Meek and Scunthorpe, proud mother to what may be the first ever McBaby, after she gave birth in a McDonald's toilet. Luckily, a midwife was also at the oh, restaurant. No. Believe it or not, it actually happened. I wonder what they'll call the little guy.
0: So many options. Too
2: many options. Uh, hello also to 18-month-old, Island. And they moved on, right? <laughs> now... Give us one, okay? Give us one. If you're going to write the feed line, yeah. you have to go, yeah. what are they going to call it? Ronald? Mac? <laughs> Hamburglar? <right? laughs> Mare Cheeseburger? Filet? <laughs> Grimace? There's loads. Grimace. Grimace is a good name for a child. <laughs> Only other thing I saw this week that I think is worth commenting on yeah. is they had uh, Grayson Perry was on last Wednesday's show, The Artist. And he's doing an appeal for his old work, which he, he didn't keep any real records. So all of his old work and his early work was sold, but he doesn't know where any of it is. He's got a big exhibition coming up, and he wanted to sort of get it together. The natural thing to do that is an appeal on the one show. I shouldn't think many one show viewers have a lot of contemporary British art in their nursing home. But, but they had a, a thing where he'd done a, a sheet which they printed as a a sort of Aston... a Rostrum shot, rather. And it showed all of the different marks that he'd put on his pottery over the years. Right. And on the left-hand side in the middle, which is where your eyes naturally go... One of the pieces had a swastika on it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I presume it was the Hindu symbol yeah. rather than the not <laughs> The appropriated Nazi. There was a very yeah. odd moment of watching the one show and seeing a swastika appear with Alex's voice lilting behind. But, oh, well, we'll have a look in our attics. <laughs> no, I've just seen <laughs> a, a swastika. <laughs> there's a swastika cause... on BBC One. Stop it. <laughs> this has gone too far.
1: There was a, a... Just bring it back to the Denzel Washington thing. Now, we we often talk about uh, tenuous links to the next item, and, and handbrake turns and so on and so forth in this. There was one that they missed, which occurred in a film during the Denzel Washington episode. They were talking to the daughter of the spy who was the influence for George Smiley in Smiley's People in Le Carre's uh, book. Gotcha. The Think of Tate, Soul of spies? And there was a, a whole film about this guy's life and where they used to go to meet spies. Spies would meet in a certain hotel. And they, they showed her going in there to sort of recreate this, you know, this is where they used to meet kind of thing. And the hotel was called The Washington. And I thought... Oh, no. Oh, well, Denzel Washington is their guest. So that's... When they come back off this film, I wonder... What the line will be? Will it be something like, "Well, they're from one Washington to another"? Or you know, they're d- d- didn't mention it. No, absolutely ignored it. And I was sort of, I was, dis- I was disappointed in them, if I'm honest. Yeah, with you, but I was disappointed. That's the
2: producer's job, isn't it? Because we know, we know. Them. Jay Jay Rayner made it clear to us. Yeah. Alex and Matt do not watch those films.
3: You've blown my mind, really, that they they uh, they don't watch these things because they're so good at doing understanding faces. It's it, it must be quite a skill. I wonder if they just have practice in the mirror. <laughs> they are. Not I mean, we talk. Item. You know, we
1: do. You're, you're right, Vicky. We 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 sit. We said this before. We'd sit and we sit. We are going. Ha ha ha. The one joke. But they are. It is a skill. It's an art form in itself. It's contemporary art. That's how you have to watch it. I think. Just think. This is an art installation. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: so that's what it is. It's. I think it's the thing that they should beam to life on other planets. Uh, they, uh, you know, just to
1: keep them away it, from us. It's.
3: It demonstrates the nation's obsession with talking about medical ailments and, and, yeah. uh, and crappy holiday, holiday resorts. It's, um, it is, you know, it is it's all just... the
2: conversations they talk about are the sort of things that someone you know would say and you say about them, God, they're boring. all of those you know like modern art oh modern art oh god here we go You know, do you know where's nice Filey that's nice (laughs) you don't want to go abroad on your holidays is there anything we've missed that you noticed yes going back to to
3: last Friday they brought on Lucy Worsley uh, towards the end to talk about Queen Victoria and I discovered something new there about how obviously very serious she suffered with postnatal depression but Lucy Worsley told us that she uh, apparently hallucinated worms and coffins <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, that's forever coloured my view of, uh, of of British history. Now well, those
2: those little bits that that are thrown up, and I use thrown up in the sense of vomiting. vomiting. They are fantastic, yeah. and that that is the one show is a curate's egg. Ninety eight percent of it is rotten and inedible, <laughs> but that two percent is a bit magical. Yeah, a bit magical. And most
1: people would probably w- hallucinate worms and coffins than sit down and watch and watch <laughs> the one show. I'd
2: rather see it presented by worms and coffins. <laughs>
3: can I tell you my lovely Matt Baker story? I've never met him, <laughs> but uh, before television center ceased to be TVC as it, as it was then yeah, it's now uh, flats, isn't it? Flats, yeah. <laughs> which were on sale from the company Savils, which is quite <laughs> ironic. Um, <laughs> is that right? The BBC flats. <laughs>
1: oh my God.
3: Yeah. I, I, I was there sort of a few days before it, it closed down, not to steal any signage, obviously, um, but I did go for a little wander around the, the bottom bit of the donut, the uh, the basement, and I could hear this noise sort of around the corner from me, this clacking noise, and um, the place was deserted, and as I walked, I could see Matt Baker off in the distance tap-dancing down the corridor of Television <laughs> Centre, and uh, I almost cried. <laughs> I, it was so, so perfect. to like, that you is, know, the brilliant. ghost of Roy Castle, and the <laughs> spirit of Roy Broke oh, Castle had entered Matt Baker oh, the,
2: There is something you know. about him, which he is... He's like a sort of Disney prince who just has been given a sort of weird semi-current affairs show. <laughs> and there's a good place to leave it, by the way. As I say,
1: it's good to have television insiders, but on next week's episode, we have somebody who's a broadcaster, but... Uh, was in the audience in that standing up studio audience Thrilling. of The One Show I think while it was being recorded so we're going to have an insider's like view an, of that an, side an eyewitness go. report exactly uh, so that's to come thank you very much Vicky for being thank here. you for having me um, it's been uh, it's been tremendous so I think ending on that that Matt Baker alone and tap dancing in a deserted corridor in a place with the word Savills written on it <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of summed this whole thing man up we her. just yeah. we don't
2: deserve someone this pure uh, Mark thank you
1: thanks job. that is The, the One one Show Show. Welcome back. This is season two. And always remember this. When you look at the television, to look at the One Show. The One Show also looks back into you. Goodbye.
0: We're
2: told it's for truth and for freedom. Your freedom to kill or to die. Is no denying those who are trying to poison Our minds, because an eye for
0: an eye is making the whole world blind. Great Big Owl.